entertainment fans. I am Max Meehan, and across from me is Seated Biss. And I hate to say it, man, but I'm in kind of a bad mood. Not about anything in particular, but it's going to make for some interesting recordings because, boy, when I'm in a bad mood, I tend to be a little more colorful than usual, I think. And I'm hungover, if we're going to be completely honest. So yeah. it should be fun. Wow. I'm, I've been on my uh, vacation in Maui. You know, that's the firesides that have been going on, right? Yeah. By, by this time, though, there's, uh, you know, pull the curtain back. Uh, there's probably like two other podcasts with uh, all the content from the the South Austin Sports Center. Enthralling. Yeah. Anyway, keep your eyes on your paper, Biss. Keep your eyes on your paper. Oh my goodness. Uh, I'm kidding. You can't read. <laughs> um, <laughs> anyway, no, man. I'm feeling salty this 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 morning as we sit down to record. It's been a little while since we've convened in order to discuss business and the history of Inspire Pro, newly minted Inspire AD. Today we're going to be discussing uh, Hero Never Dies as we continue to slog through the Austin Sports Center saga. But before we get to this much storied show, which I'm not even sure how this is going to go because we don't really plan out how we're doing this, there are some fairly uh, tenuous topics that we have to navigate here. I wanted to actually address some questions we'd gotten in uh, the mailbag, so Uncle Mushmouth over here is going to do his best to get through this shit. Um, so, uh, you down for this, Biz? Let's, me- let's do it. Okay, man. So, <laughs> so, the first question that I got, which I thought was interesting, was um, pertaining to the use of Christy Janes, or lack thereof. Uh, I, I we get this quite a bit yeah. because Christy was very prominently used in uh, Wrestle Circus, and a lot of people at, continually ask asked at the time when was Christy Jane's coming? They wanted to see what we would do with her. Uh, they also have asked posthumously why we never really used her. Yeah, I'm gonna let this f- feel <clears throat> this one out. I had an interesting interaction with Christy that kind of left me feeling a little bit cold. Yeah, um, initially, but but but. She was a, she was an AAPW student. She came up with Ricky Starks and Alley Cat, I believe. Um, yeah, she. I mean, we used basically everyone else in her class uh, besides her. So I can understand why the question exists. Um, yeah, th- there were definitely talks. The reason that I missed my cue on the Jessica James uh, save when Ivy Robin attacked her was I was talking to Chrissy James about business. Um, to begin with, we were never able to really agree on on a price, to be quite honest. Um, she was still fairly new, but was traveling to Mexico and had some other opportunities. Um, and I didn't feel like I didn't feel like her value was at the place where she was asking for. But there were also other issues. Um, Christy was involved in. I mean, I don't know how else to sugarcoat this. Some pretty unprofessional moments in the ring in front of fans and audience um that i didn't want to be a part of our show and i didn't want to have to deal with you know you want to go into those at all yeah i mean the the most famous one is the um rachel ellering and her at wrestle circus that was you know a complete embarrassment quite frankly um i mean for that to be in front of you know fans and you know just a complete lack of understanding of how wrestling works and then to be on full display was 
not something I wanted to be a part of. And she also had um, instances like that at Lucha Libre shows that were not as uh, publicized that I caught wind of. Um, now, with that said, I will say my every one of my personal interactions with her has been very pleasant. You know, there's there's never been like it's not like we oil and water like I didn't get along with her. I thought she was uh, a nice enough girl. She I mean, when she was a student, she would come help us set up um, and help out. So there was a want for us to work with her. But just the circumstances of how she was doing business kind of made it not possible. For me, um, personally, I was told via connections like mutual acquaintance that she was interested in working for us. And uh, I approached her at a show. And honestly, she just kind of acted too cool and said, I said, you want to do some fun stuff? You want to you do some stories? You want to do some angles? And I remember she just kind of looked me in the face, chewing her gum, and said, "How much?" Yeah, yep. <laughs> and that that really soured that kind me. Kind of sums it um, up, right? It just it just left a bad taste in my mouth. Yeah. I really didn't. I I was privy to all the other stuff going on, and and you know was neither here nor there on it. Um, I didn't think it was a good look, but that's that's mainly it. I mean, you know, yeah, people grow, people change. Yeah, you know, and and that doesn't mean like. I would never want to do anything with her if if the timing was right and personally it felt correct. I think a big part of what makes our company unique is that if I don't feel right about someone's personality or I don't feel like they're treating it like more than just a, you know, a payday, I don't really want to work with them. We've worked very hard to weed out a lot of toxic elements and keep people out of the locker room that I feel are negative. And in fact, a lot of people uh, backstage have always kind of championed us as this company that is the no drama company, right? Um, For example, people ask us why we never used Brian Cage. Well, the reason why, and I hate to say this, is because he was kind of an asshole to us when we communicated with him. I think that's, I mean, I said no punches pulled today, right? Yeah. (laughs) You know, just, I mean, like he, he acted like... He he did that he did that big dick thing where he did the big reveal and then just laid there like a dead fish like we were supposed to fawn all over him and, and it was what was what was the situation where he basically came in and there was a there was a snafu with Wrestle Circus I think and he tried to jump on our card yeah uh, last minute no there were there were two there were two times where he he you know he was in town and you know wanted us to shoehorn him into something. Um, and you know, some people tell us that we made the wrong decision. Not oh, you mean Palmer? You can say his name. I don't really give a shit. Like you know, there's others too. Yeah, well, but, um, uh, fuck but each yeah, and every Palmer, one of them yeah. all the way down. I don't really give a shit. But the thing yeah. is, is that you know, we, we weren't Wrestle Circus, and and at the end of the day, all the people that yeah. tell you what you should be doing, they're not the one holding the bag at the end of the and, night. You know, and yeah, and and even at a discount was was still a major addition to the budget, and also to a card that had a very deliberate measure in terms of how people are featured and how it helps our talent grow. No one's going to tell me that we didn't help nobody. I'm not going to fucking listen to that shit. Well, and, you know, here we are, you know, it's WrestleMania season, if that even still exists. Um, And people, the topic of, you know, celebrities taking spots from guys is is coming back up. And, I mean, at, at that level, you're you're opening up new new uh avenues to expose the your uh your product but for us that meant somebody that we were trying to build would would not have had the same prominent spot that they would have had on the card if we didn't have 
Brian Cage. Yeah, it was it was so. budgetary. I remember at one point though he he messaged us and we took time getting back to him and then he was like really guys like he was dissatisfied yeah. that we didn't just jump on it but we were like in the midst of discussing it and actually finding out if feasibly financially that we could do this you know you, but we didn't respond fast enough for his liking and he re- went really guys and I just wanted to be like man go fuck yourself. <laughs> Like, I think you're really impressive, and I think, I, I know a lot of people say some really kind things about you. I've never really dealt with you, but fucking, like, like take it easy. Jesus Christ, be yeah. human, you know? That's the thing. It's like, so few people just can be decent or human. But that's that's the situation there. I mean, sometimes things just don't line up. Sometimes, you know, you don't, things just don't jive. They don't feel yeah. right. And that was the situation, I think, with both of those folks. Didn't mean to get on the Brian Cage subject, but it's something that it kind of reminded me of. It was yeah. just the attitude and the idea of potentially having to work with somebody that I didn't feel really comfortable with or I didn't feel was going to treat me, you know, with respect. Yeah. And I'm I'm trying to think if there's any other... There aren't many. Names like that that are very talented people, clearly, but for whatever reason. Yeah. Um, and yeah, it just doesn't come to my mind. You know who was great that I want to work with a ton more is Ethan. Ethan Page? Yes. Oh, we're ho- did you hear about that? No, I didn't. He signed. Oh, no. He's with AEW now, yeah. Well, so. God damn it, he deserves I, I it. I love but, Ethan. But what a, yeah. what a joy of a human being, yep. that guy. That guy had such a din mother quality in the locker room, just how that pre-show meeting. We do pre-show meetings. This is one thing that we can get into later. But before every show, we gather everybody around the ring, and we go down the card. We talk about the results. We get everybody on the same page. If someone has a remarkable finish or we have somebody who's really focusing on a particular move, or if we have just a lot of brawling outside of the ring for one particular match, we make sure everybody's on the same page so we don't have eight matches where people are brawling out, you know, or somebody doing the same move that somebody else is doing on in this, this match that has a story built around it. But when Ethan was Ethan Page was in, in uh, our locker room, he was just a joy to be around, and I remember like just how much talk there was about a field trip to Voodoo Donuts, and <laughs> just his spirit, man. He had he had a lot of light, and he was just a real joy to be around. Yeah. And he was a hell of a, a hell of a worker. Ethan was cool as hell. So uh, this is a fun little st- sidebar story. I met Ethan in Atlanta for the Super Bowl thing, um, and uh, I was there with with uh, Kingston. I was hanging out with Kingston, and we met up with, you know. Ethan and some of the other guys. Um, yeah. So anyway, I never, I never tell people who the fuck I am, you know, because like it takes a lot of explaining, you know. <laughs> Just and I, I got to interject. Do you know how many times people write me asking me how to get in touch with the ownership of Inspire Pro? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I had that happen on Friday, actually. Yeah. Um, but um, yeah. Like, I, there's no reason for me to explain, because number one, like, they probably don't give a shit in that environment. And if they do, like, they'll figure it out. So anyway, like, we're hanging out, and um, just, we're talking about the show and stuff, and finally Ethan's like, dude, who are you? <laughs> I'm like, oh, you know, I'm Biss, I run Inspire, I'm helping out run this thing this weekend. He's like, yeah, I... Like clearly, I knew you were somebody, but I didn't know who the fuck you were. Like, <laughs> obviously, I'm not like who the yeah. f- you know. At the end of the day, I, my relevance is basically stuck to you know Texas and people that watch the stream of stuff in Texas. So yeah, that that was uh, that's always I've had that interaction a few times because I'm not the 
I'm Justin Bissonette. I run Inspire, and you know, there's, there's no need for that, all that shit, right? Yeah. So, anyway, um, another question. This is based on the main event of one of the Red Oak Ballroom shows. I guess when we were talking about Keith Lee versus Ricky Starks, a few folks were curious as to what was supposed to happen. And because I, I guess I vocalized my displeasure with how it was handled. And they asked me exactly what Ricky had done that was not on script, so to speak. So at the time, Ricky was really pushing to start doing this tag team with Aaron Solo. And it presented a lot of issues because he he wanted to go do this this tag thing but i really didn't get the sense that he wanted to lose his his title he certainly didn't want to lose to keith i think there was some acrimony there and i think it had a lot to do with the fact that every company in texas at the time was kind of hitching their their wagon to keith would that be fair to say around that time yeah yeah and I, I felt like Ricky kind of thought we should be deviating from that, but, you know, I don't know if there's anything personal going on, but he wanted things to go very differently, but at the time, it wouldn't have made sense for Ricky to, you know, maintain the status of his title as the prime, as being a primary title if he wanted to go off and do this stuff with Aaron Solo. Yeah. It didn't even make sense for him to hold up that belt if he was doing tag stuff. You know, you only have so many spots on a card, and I'm not going to have Ricky defend the title and also do a, a tag match, and I don't think Ricky would have wanted that either. You you can call me uh, on that if you feel like That would have been complicated to manage. <laughs> yes, it would have. I don't think he would have been happy. So this is what was supposed to happen at the end of the Keith-Ricky match. I was really trying to serve multiple masters, and this was what I wanted. I still wasn't really sold on the Keith... Um, I'm, I'm sorry, the Aaron, the, the Aaron Solo and Ricky Starks uh, tag match thing. I, I, I didn't really think there was much for them to do or accomplish in that division. And I saw a lot of upside to Ricky because he just had this, you know, he had this really strong string of title defenses. And we we kind of built him up to be this top guy in terms of a singles capacity. And so I felt like he would be better utilized still in that in that form. But what was supposed to happen was that um, Keith, Keith was supposed to go over and then Ricky was supposed to stand there with his title just kind of looking at it, letting the whole like, oh, this is second fiddle, you know, moment kind of run through his head. And then he was supposed to clock Keith with his belt and pick up the pure prestige belt and he was going to renounce the Inspire Pro title, vacating it and basically say that he was coming after Keith and he didn't want no secondary title. He wanted the main title. He was hungry for that that top prize. So it was supposed to be kind of like a hard Ricky heel turn and we were supposed to do, or I wanted to do, a lot more with Ricky and Keith. And I think it had a lot of legs, but unfortunately we got this kind of like mopey, oh, I don't deserve this kind of moment that I just, I didn't think it really fit Ricky's character. Yeah. I Yeah. And part of the issue was in the way he threw the belt down, right? Was that part of the issue, or were you okay with that? Relinquishing the title was fine. Vacating the title was fine. It was mainly just the tone of it, but also it didn't set up what I actually wanted to do going forward. You know, I personally thought that we could have done stuff that fit Aaron into it. I think he could have been kind of like a... We could have done some stuff where we pushed Aaron solo, solo, 
uh, on the card and done some singles matches with him and then kind of had him be Ricky's cohort and then married them together as a tag team later on. But I really felt like we needed to, to continue to build this Keith Lee drama because I thought it had a lot more to go to. It had a lot more to, to do. Yeah. Like there's do a lot you, more to it. Do you think we like, because the next show is the first time that we used Aaron, right? Yeah. Do you think we could have gotten, had our cake and eaten it too, so to speak, if we just had, um, puts uh, Aaron in a solo fuck that's that's always yeah, gonna yeah, be yeah. a pun um I hate it <laughs> I yeah hate, yeah I, it feels like I'm doing a fucking bit here come on now um spit it out so <laughs> do you think that we uh we could have had it both ways if we had started just booking Aaron and then associated those two without doing the well that's tag? What, that's what I was saying yeah I was saying uh that was initially what I was pushing toward but it didn't you know I, we'd had solo in a match with Ricky uh, already it was a three-way i believe and um that was kind of the idea was kind of have yeah. them kind of gel and jive in that match and then kind of take it from there but also have ricky and aaron sort of be allies and push you know push solo into a different realm yeah. i really wanted to do some solo sammy stuff but it just didn't pan out it, in a weird way too and we'll get to it when he comes back uh spoiler alert folks um, I think the time away also helped both of us. Yeah, you know. Um, so I also don't. I also think that I'm going to go ahead and say it. There was some acrimony between Starks and Wrestle Circus and Albert ACH and Wrestle Circus. I feel like yeah. the writing on the was on the wall at a certain point where they realized that these guys didn't care about the local market or talent. Yeah. This city was mainly just—it was convenient it was where the they were at. Yeah, that's where they were. You know, it wasn't—they didn't really care about local wrestling, and um, there were a lot of payment issues. A lot of times, uh, local guys would show up and they wouldn't get paid. You know. Yeah. And uh, I know that Starks had pay disputes with the uh, Wrestle Circus. Is that incorrect? I don't know if Starks did. I never heard if Starks did, but I know that there were folks that had had issues with the way that they were paying and, and getting their payments. I remember there being some pay pay disparity, pay yeah. disparity, and also some lateness in payment. But yeah. I could be wrong. Someone can call me up and yell at me if they feel so inclined. <laughs> um, but that I think I, I do think that there was a greater appreciation for us after a while once people saw how Wrestle Circus was treating the talent that we were actually really dedicated to. Yeah. And, I mean, at the end of the... We, when we talk about the Brian Cage thing, like, that's... People just look at Brian Cage as, holy shit, there's that draw. People that may not be in your... Come to your show may come to see Brian Cage, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> right? But for us, we have to have that time and that dedication to building these people up that are on our cards... So that they matter enough that our our base crowd is is coming show after show after show. For for us, it's the eighty twenty rule, and for us, that twenty percent that's our diehard, always there um, fans are more important to us than that eighty percent of the you know come as they go. Yeah, you have to be really. It's also it's also one thing to to reduce your rate, but you know. If I'm going to have to pay out at the end of the night, a lot of those people that are in the crowd, they're already paying to get in no matter what. That's why yeah, I've never I've never thought it was wise to jam-pack your card because it's like you can put 80 names on your fucking card. You're still going to get the same number of fans. You're just going to be paying out more at the end of the night. But, but the truth is is that last-minute names 
I've got no time to promote them. I've yeah. got no time to go, hey, guess what? This guy's on the card today. Man, it would be nice if I had a month or two to say Brian Cage is on the card and actually build to it and make, make it mean something. But yeah. personally, I, you know, put the, put this into perspective. I think that Brian Cage and Inspire Pro deserved a much stronger, better context. <laughs> than just than thrown just, in there. Here's for, Brian Cage in a multi-man fi- scramble. Five you minutes know, of him, yeah. It's fucking stupid, man. It didn't. It, it wouldn't have served him. It wouldn't have served us. It wouldn't have made us look good. It was. It just felt very much like, just I hate to go back to it, but it felt like any port in a storm. Anyway, here's, here's an interesting, um, here's an interesting question. It'll be the last question. Uh, uh, another, another, another person asked, uh, did we ever talk to Al Linhart about the way that they used our talent? Uh, no, uh, I did not. I yeah, I didn't think it would have served any purpose. Yeah. And I'm going to go ahead and say it. Maybe you can tell me if I'm incorrect here. I don't think that a lot of what Al did was very measured or intentional or malicious. I think it was kind of oblivious. Yeah, and that it's when I realized that I was hot the first show. Yeah. And I was ready to be like, what the fuck are was, fuck you guys? I was pissed at how they used Steve-O. Yeah. yeah, that one hurt too. That pissed but, me off. But what it became was... I was like, mad at Steve-O and Al, but I just, still... I was like, okay, well, Steve-O's just trying to get seen. Uh, and I think it was at, at the... at the, the, the To the detriment of us by being a guy that held our title at the time that just go out there and get fucking killed in a matter of minutes. But also, at the same... And it was... I think it was a dark match. I don't even think it was like on, on yeah. the fucking stream. But beyond that, I think I didn't think Al was doing it to be malicious because Al was still incredibly supportive of us. Like he had our back in certain situations, and we had his. And I didn't think it made sense to create beef where there didn't really need to be a beef. That's a good way to put it. And um, there was a time and place, and just coming up and going, "Hey, f- what the fuck are you doing?" was was not the right way to approach it. No, not at all. <clears throat> Especially for someone that was clearly clearly wasn't maliciously trying to do it no but if, uh kevin Condren can go fuck fuck himself yeah fuck like that, that guy, guy that guy's a pariah that guy has the biggest fucking he's no mouth. fucking gentleman no I'll tell you that. no he's not and uh he doesn't know jack shit about our town he came here acting like we're gonna put this town on the map which was a slight at that us. was a slap I, in my fucking face yeah it was really fucking offensive um i'd knock that dude out if i could yeah. let's book it um <laughs> But also just the fact that you'd see him arguing with people who are longtime staples of promoting events here in Austin. I remember at one point somebody was talking about how uh, buildings had long been burnt by MMA events and wrestling events. And so, and this is true, there's a prejudice against uh, events of this nature, even though MMA and wrestling uh, are worlds apart. People really do associate the two. And some guy was talking about how there had been a long... Uh, sadly unfortunate history with buildings and wrestling and MMA and it has created a negative stigma and a lot of people don't want to want to host these events and Condren came in and just started talking his nonsense and showing this veteran promoter no respect but it's like you know if you come to my fucking house (laughs) don't fuck with the thermostat and Condren is a guy who thinks very highly of himself, and just even from a logical promoting standpoint, show your fucking respect, man. It's not even about the business. It's not about wrestling. It's about being just a decent human being, and he's not a decent human being, so that guy can go fucking jump into a tire fire. Anyway. I, I got nothing to add. You, <laughs> that's that's some... Fuck that guy. Yeah, fuck that guy. Anyway, um, 
enough about <laughs> these other motherfuckers. No, yeah, let's talk about us and how great we are yeah. by getting into a hero never dies. This is a significant event title, by the way. Yes. Uh, the first time that we ever went to do a building walkthrough was at uh, Marquesa Holland Theater, where uh, which we consider our home. It is. It is. It, it, it's where we were born, and. We we showed up and we don't need to go through you know the lateness and shit by the way God damn it um, Oh we don't we no, don't need to cover that? no no we don't no no last time we told this story you you were very elaborate about it um, but they were showing a movie that day when we did the first building walkthrough and that movie was Johnny Toes a Hero Never Dies and I remember pitching this as an event title and you just you loved it because it it really played upon our history. Um, it's a it's a great event title and uh yeah it has a it has a special place in our heart but uh this was a this was an interesting event uh we got to there's, there's some things that pissed me off at this show um I'm pretty proud of this show we'll, we'll we'll cover the reason why at the very end yeah um I don't know if we've touched on it but at this point um Eric Wood has taken over production thank Christ and I really <laughs> I really appreciate um how in tuned he is with the product and this really feels like he's clearly been paying attention for a long time and there's a it's just all of a sudden sinks together and you know uh ray zombie would always kind of put these little flares on that were it felt he'd, like he was kind of showing he, off well he'd his, also cut out things that were really pivotal yeah. in terms of conveying the storyline which made me feel like he just didn't give a shit and he wasn't really paying attention yeah. I think Ray means well he's an okay guy but I don't think he really understood exactly what we were doing I think it was more about him showing off than it was about taking the pieces and making them make the most sense Yeah, and, and with Eric coming into that role here I don't think it's on this show but this is where I really noticed it it's just everything marriages together and it the little production enhancements enhance the show and enhance the story and and push stuff forward and just really gives you the feeling of what it's like to be live at an inspire show and and be in that building and, and just the the atmosphere that we built over fucking goddamn seven years now yeah Anyway, you want to get into the meat and potatoes yeah, let's, of this shit? Let's jump in. We so, speaking of potatoes. Yeah, for the last uh, for the last several shows before this, we had been building up to uh, unleashing a concept that I'm quite proud of. We were building up to this final match and a tournament for the Lawless Darkness. And for those who are uninitiated, the Lawless Darkness was a concept that I created, where for the term of one year, the winner and holder of the Lawless Darkness title would be granted immunity from all the rules of Inspire Pro, meaning he could break the rules. There were no rope breaks, no barred holds. Uh, he was he could never be counted out. He was kind of impervious. He could do whatever he wanted. Uh, and it could either... It was something that I thought, in terms of a, a, a kind of a story idea, could be used to really highlight character issues. You could either use this to really clean up your environment use it to really go after the bad guys or 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 you could honestly just kind of fall prey to its uh its ability to let you cut corners you could either become maybe too righteous or too evil um it's kind of like that that infamous stan lee phrase that he liked to lean on you know uh 
absolute power corrupts and power corrupts absolutely. That's kind of where I was going with that. And I really wanted to see this applied to different characters and just see the, how it affected and changed and morphed the character. Unfortunately, over the many times that we used this, it, it, I had it kind of wrestled away from me and people didn't necessarily get it. Um, I'm, I'm very sad that we didn't get to do what we were going to do with Dimitri. Yeah, that um, would have been a... F- that lost year kind of... Dimitri, that was our yeah. chance to Dimi- turn it Dimitri was a guy who I think really gets it. He got the storyline and he was a fan of the concept, but, you know, maybe maybe one day we'll get to visit that, but um, for the time being, we're going in a different direction when we come back. Yeah. But anyway, the, uh, the, the, the first match of the card features Andy Dalton and Gary J in a ladder match with the badge, the Lawless Darkness badge, that's another thing is, I remember like Cody Lane argued with me about how the badge really had no significance to uh, the title, but it did. Everybody it was, wore, it was a Texas Sheriff badge, right? Yeah, it was a Texas Sheriff's badge. It was, suppo- it was supposed to be this symbol of, of, of law and order that could be corrupted or used, or, uh, used against people, but the, la- the, the, the badge was suspended over the over the ring over the ring and and uh, it was supposed to have a chain you wore you wear it around your neck and Dalton actually kept up with that for quite a bit um as, didn't he get injured shortly after this the, there's a yeah, yeah for a little bit Eesh. which we'll kind of hurt us too yeah we'll talk about that later kind of it kind of hurt the, con- the the concept yeah. we were trying to get over but this is a this is a badass match this Dude, is this the epitome is, of a barn burner opener this i mean i i have to go back and watch the the Starks Barrett Brown and Sammy one is pretty damn good too but this may be our best ladder match it's insane it's definitely the most brutal yeah like they just beat the shit out of each other um so I I always have this weird feeling like Gary's not around much in our history but Gary's actually been around quite a bit um and this this was just this was the absolute best spot uh for Gary J and then Andy Dalton, of course, the street fight with Matthew Palmer, you know, some of the other stuff that he, uh, he's done fit in other ladder matches right too. Yeah. And, you know, the, the J crown stuff. Yep. That, that was good. I mean, Andy, Andy produced that's, yeah. that's, that's and, really and, all you can say about the guy at this point. I mean, he's no longer going to be with us, yeah. uh, due to some personal issues that he's yeah. working through, but but yeah, this was absolutely just, it, it makes me, uh, you know, they mainstream wrestling has kind of saturated ladder matches. I think there was 26 last year or something like that. They've really fucked that up. But um, I'm really proud of the quality that we've, that we've made with ladder matches in our history. And just watching this one kind of drove that home for me. Uh, really avoids a lot of the like the the weird tropes of ladder matches. It was just a, an absolute fight, and it w- wasn't over until somebody incapacitates the other guy to point they could climb up the ladder. You know. Yeah. And then up next we have a three way tag team match, and this is where my first issue of the show. After Andy stands tall, holding the badge above his head. Out comes Chris True and Dan the Man, the new improvement as uh, the new movement has been liquidated and Chris is starting anew. He has he has brought down God's hammer and shaken the crumbs out of his bed and he's starting anew and making new names. He's already done all he can for these other bums that were riding his coattail. Now he's rebuilding his uh, 
He's rebuilding his, his stable, and of course, he wants the lawless darkness in his stable, so there's this moment that's really great, the idea of Chris True and Andy Dalton kind of being uh, entangled is, is pretty appealing at the moment, but of course, Andy being who he is, we're bringing a little bit of dirty back to the character, he basically is just kind of this lone wolf character at this point, and he tells... He tells Chris True to go kick rocks, and the response is... He gets... Doesn't he get jumped? Oh, yeah, 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 man, course, come on, jump in. Jesus Christ, any time yeah. it is. Over there, fucking... <laughs> yeah. Doing scratch-offs or something. <laughs> Jesus fucking... Hey, okay. Uh, yeah, of course he gets jumped. Oh, my yeah. bad. The mother bastards jump <laughs> on his back and beat him up. Uh, so this, is, this, is, this was intended to really kick off a really uh, fun angle where... Uh, Andy is Andy has been gifted this this opportunity to really fracture the laws and do whatever he wants, and someone has been stupid enough to pick a fight with him. The guy that has absolutely no obligation to play by the rules is not really a guy you should pick a fight with. But Chris is that arrogant, that yeah. egotistical, and uh, we had big plans for this. It didn't necessarily yeah. go how we wanted it to. But yeah, at the same time, though, what you can I mean, we can see the bones. We're giving them people to clean up. Right. Yeah. So, um, we were really doing a death wish kind of angle here. You know, so. um, anyway, after that, uh, we have a three way tag team match. Yeah, this you're angry about this. Yes, I am. Um, so let, let's go over the, the participants. Then we can get it into what went wrong. Well, I, th- I don't think I've ever really had a good chemistry with Alley Cat. I think yeah. she's always kind of talked to me like I'm stupid, which really bugged me because, like, A, I'm not stupid, and B, I'd been in this business longer than even she had been in the business. doesn't matter if I'd never laced up a pair of boots. What really matters is, is that I'd been running the company and telling angles and bringing people into buildings and always making sure people got paid. Like, show me a little bit of respect, you know? But the problem here was that when she came out, she basically, it's, we've paired Alley Cat and Ivory Robin together. And she comes out, takes the mic, and cuts a promo basically saying that her and Alley, no, her and Ivory being paired together makes no sense. She kind of shits on it to the crowd. And this makes me mad because, you know what? It does fucking make sense because they bonded together after, after JoJo had become a nuisance to them and it had denigrated them. The idea was to push Allie and Ivory into a position where we were eventually going to put the tag titles on them. And I was also going to pair them with Roxy Castillo, which I thought would have helped them exponentially. I thought it was a, a, a trifecta that could have been really exciting. But Allie came out, shot her mouth off, said it didn't really make any sense that they were together. Though it did, because they had bonded together in the face of a common in- enemy. And they had been fa- fairly effective at you know beating the shit out of JoJo. And she also, instead of just letting Roxy's music, you know, be a reveal, she had to announce Roxy before her music hit. That was a little... little oh, that's a huge pet peeve for huge, you. You hate that I shit. I hate that. Let the music do the fucking talking. You don't have to say who it is. Let the crowd figure it out. Let them react. It'd be like... Do you remember when, when I had um, Masada come out and beat the shit out of Jason Silver? Yeah. If I had said Masada and then his music hit, it wouldn't have had the same effect or impact, would it? Yeah. Wasn't it great, though, when I said, I know someone who's an effective opponent for you. And then Masada's music hits and the crowd erupted. It was a moment. It didn't need me to say his name, man. His, th- his anthem, his anthem was all the crowd needed. 
And this was one of those examples where, yeah, that was a pet peeve of mine. But I don't really think uh, Ali was constantly mad or bitter about something. But, you know, a lot of the reasons why we couldn't ever continually follow up the plans we had for her was because people would come, people would go, people would get hurt. And so we had to keep, you know, changing things. It wasn't like we were playing Coconut Caramba and scamming anybody. It was just timing was bad, you know. Uh, also in this match, though. The Uploptic Caesars, probably one of the last times we see them together as, a, as an item. Yeah, I think this is the very last, yeah, at and, least together. Uh, the new movement featuring Ashton, Jacobs, and T-Ray with Chris True and Dan the Man. Uh, Jacobs and T-Ray was really a pairing of your design that I think we really were yeah. able to do some remarkable things with. I think they were a great pair. Yeah, they had uh, a, a weird instant chemistry. Yeah. And yeah, and they just kind of grew, and they kind of highlighted each other, which I appreciated. Yeah, T Ray was, T Ray was also really exciting here. Yeah. Um, he did he did a great job here. I was really excited to. Uh, I'm just I'm endlessly excited to work with that guy. He's got yeah. a great a great spirit to him, and he's very talented. So this match was um, how do I say this? A little bit more competitive than we expected it to. Yeah. It uh, to be. It took. A little bit longer than we thought it might take to get to a victor. <laughs> it did. I think it was like double the time that it was supposed to. Which but... I was okay with. I wasn't mad about yeah. that. I think sometimes when things don't feel right and you need to kind of pat it out, yeah. you know, you do it. Um, so. it, was, it was, it was, honestly, I think the match was a little better than I expected it to be, but I was happy with, I, I was happy with it ultimately, even if it went over. Yeah. I, you know, I have to be the, the, the asshole about the the time, so I definitely noticed that when uh, that that went on for a while. Um, but yeah, and in the end, um, Alley Cat and Ivory pick up the victory as the uh, part of uh, the Roxy Castillo team, which we will learn at this event is going to be referred to as the Portfolio. Biss, we got to hold our horses because we yeah. totally glossed over something. I <laughs> something mean, majorly important. Something majorly important that I actually just remembered. <laughs> okay, we got to go back. We got to rewind a little bit. Yeah. So one of the things that I love to do, world building stuff, is I like to kind of reference things historically that have happened in our company. And even though some time had passed since our, our uh, Red Oak Ballroom shows, when you kind of run all this stuff together, it suddenly, you know, it feels like it feels like the stuff at the last show at Red Oak just happened but it really hadn't it's been a while no we're we're talking about yeah we're talking about like nine months okay so nine months nine months after nine months after evan jalistico had last been seen in an inspire pro ring after being absconded with by ghosts <laughs> he was putting a body bag right and 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 ca carted away um andy andy and gary are really going crazy in that opening match yeah and uh, they're going under the ring looking for weapons, and at some point, one of them drags out a body bag. Yeah, Dal Dalton finds the body bag. <laughs> and he drags it out from under the ring, and uh, out pops Evan, and he's <laughs> dusty, and he's and, and I think he screams, what year is it? Yeah. Or something like that. But I remember this was a moment where I knew people were paying attention because people exploded yeah people were like oh my god they they caught the reference and to me that was a really huge moment that made me feel really good 
Sorry to have glossed over that. That was a that was a victory yeah. for for, us, for yep. me, for us, for the company. So I was really stoked on that. But it was also kind of like that cherry on the on the ladder match. I think it, it was a it was a spectacle. Big holy shit chant. Yeah, there was know, a holy so shit few, chant. Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, man. For some reason, I just I don't know how that slipped my mind. Yeah. Um, from here, we go into a singles match with a guy who had synonymously almost been affiliated with uh, Wrestle Circus. Versus Ryan Davidson, who I am a huge fan of. I thought this would have been a really interesting way to use Jordan, kind of catapult him into some storyline stuff. Jordan has always been a huge fan of Inspire. He really liked the fact that we did storyline stuff. And he had asked if we'd be interested in using him. And I love Jordan. He's just, he's a really sweet guy. Uh, he's the epitome of someone that you want around. Just has has a good yeah. demeanor. And he really wanted to do something that was more story-based. He wanted to do something within Inspire. He's, he'd been following the company for quite some time, in fact. Yeah, it kind of shocked us a little bit. I was flattered. Yeah. And so we, we cooked up this angle with uh, Jordan and Ryan. Is there anything you want to say about this match? Yeah, oh, well, I mean, the the biggest thing here is that, well, Ryan here is going to uh, turn his uh, bad luck around. He's going to finally start putting some wins together. Right, that's his character. Isn't he also doing something at this point where he's really shitting on the indie style yeah, of wrestling? It's which like, is awesome. Yeah, like he, yeah, he's cutting this promo about flippy dudes and and super kicks and all this bullshit. And I'm a real wrestler, and I'm gonna bury all that shit. It's I love it. I I eat it up. Um, but yeah, so the and he's basically blamed Jordan for you know being a purveyor of all that stuff. Uh, Jordan, I think. At, is either just coming off of being like the scramble champion for revolver or, uh, has still has the belt. So, you know, what's more fucking indie at that point than scramble matches. Right. Yeah. So, yeah. So this ends in a double count out, which we're building to something. Ryan is really particularly vicious here. It has, this has that weird feel of, you know, Jordan knows that Ryan's got this bad attitude, but it kind of reminds me of when Thunderlips is throwing Rocky around in Rocky Three. Yeah. Is this where Jordan has this like, "This is a this is just a match," and Ryan is just like, "I'm gonna kill you." Yes. <laughs> so it has this. It, it it gets really serious very quickly, and Jordan immediately kind of adapts and responds, and it just gets real ugly. Yep. It's 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 the start of something that has a really cool feel to it. Yeah. So they go to the outside. They brawl away to the back. So we, we've got a count out. Yeah. Um, but yeah, great. The start to something great and fun. And of course, Ryan is just TV ready. Yeah. Man, it, that guy's amazing. Dude, the promo afterwards. Is, yeah. I mean, if go back and just watch the Ryan Davidson promos over the next like three shows are amazing. All of Ryan's mic work is just insane next level stuff. If you have an opportunity. And that dude is, I think, he should be somewhere much bigger than he is. And I have no doubt that one day he will be. Yeah, I think I think he's an, he's he's gonna get. Oh God damn it! Okay, okay, okay. Don't let them know. Moving on. They they've taken enough of them. Don't don't let them know. <laughs> okay, okay. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, so there we there we have it. Great match, and this takes us to the Dick Flip Challenge. <laughs> yeah. We got to talk about this, don't we? Yeah. This is uh, we've got to. Got to get into this. I'm going to let you talk while I step away to get a Coke Zero because, God damn it, I need a coolant. Get that Coke Z? Yeah, you keep talking. I'll be right back. All right. So, before this show, the the original idea was to book uh, Joey Ryan versus Vanessa Craven, who we were bringing in, 
um, in a one on one intergender match. Um, to us, it made it made a lot more sense. Vanessa was this this monster. Joey, at this point, um, was kind of a champion of intergender wrestling, so it made sense to put the two together. Um, when I presented, there it is. Yeah. When I presented that uh, the idea to Craven, she her response was that she was not comfortable doing intergender wrestling, um, which was you know sort of weird, but. We, you know, we respected that and we, uh, we made the change to her wrestling Kylie Ray. Um, unbeknownst to us at the time on a previous show, they were both on, um, Joey had, I guess, made some inappropriate advances or what she felt were inappropriate advances by showing her stuff on his phone that she thought was, was not, not something she wanted to see. And she felt was inappropriate. So yeah, I'm, I can't. I don't really feel comfortable commenting on a lot yeah. of this stuff. Um, but that apparently was worthy. It wasn't so much yeah. uncomfort with intergender wrestling. I felt very badly when I saw Vanessa's comments. Yeah, her story, yeah. Because in a lot of ways, a lot of her behavior suddenly made sense from yeah. that weekend. I will, and and uh, honestly, I I kind of stuck close to Vanessa that whole day. Um, I'm really fond of her. Yeah. I think she's a really cool person, uh, and I felt badly that she felt that I, I felt badly that this occurred in our setting, and of course I kind of have to acknowledge the 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 elephant in the room. Uh, I'm related to Joey Ryan. Joey's Joey's my cousin. Uh, in fact, we connected through wrestling. You know, I'm not very close with my family. I am, in fact, kind of a black sheep, and when I connected with Joey I was really happy because I finally found someone that I had a kinship with literally through the business and it it felt it felt good you know um it's 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 tough to really comment on it uh and all I can really say right now is that I hope Joey is in a better place you know and I hope he's He's getting better. I think that um, it's easy to sit there and talk about someone in, in, in a negative fashion, but the truth of the matter is is that simply drumming someone out of a circle doesn't make them a better person, and it doesn't heal them, and it doesn't it doesn't help them. It just puts them in another circle, you know. It. I think you. I think. I think more people need to look at a lot of the stuff that occurred during the call out movement. There are a lot of people who just seem to kind of bandwagon. There's really no social conscience to it where we look at the individual as a human being and go, okay, you did this bad thing. How do we fix this? Where do we go from here? Because no one is dragging out anybody into the streets and putting bullets in their heads. You know, you're just pushing the problem under the rug. You're not addressing it head on and you're not doing anything to really stop it or fix it or even really help rehabilitate people. And yeah, you know what? If you care about people, if you care about survivors, if you care about people suffering trauma, you stop the trauma by addressing the issue head on. You don't do it by putting someone in a closet or by castigating them or being cruel. It's hard to do, but that's what inner strength is about. And I don't think a lot of people look at this shit like this. Yeah, and uh, I mean... It's it's hard it's hard to approach 
this side of it because there's so much pain on the other side. And we're not saying don't believe victims. We're not saying that, that the victims didn't go through excruciating uh, emotional pain or any of that. That's absolutely not what I yeah. just said. Yeah. My, my point is yeah. just that... I'm, I'm setting, just... I'm setting up here. Okay. So the other side of that is that with all that stuff being true, the folks like, like Joey and like Andy are human beings too. There's a human aspect to what they're going through. And it's not at all, it's not at all excusing what occurred. Absolutely not. Yeah. But crumbling them up and just throwing them in the bin to Max's point, you're going to poison another. Well, if you don't take it head on, and I'm basically repeating what you're saying here. You don't don't take it head you on and try it. to at least, you know, with Andy Dalton. I talk to Andy Dalton once every couple months just to to check in and see how his progress is going. You know, that doesn't mean that I'm hitting him up and going, "Hey, let's get you back on the show," because that's, that's not, not yeah, what that's we're not trying to happen. do. But Andrew Stevens needs to be a better human being. He has a, a young daughter and a, a young son. And now the focus is how do we make Andrew Stevens the best person he can be for his family, you know, um, and whatever he does outside of here. We don't need, you know, we don't need to push this problem off to to other groups and other people. And, and, and when, when I say this stuff, you know, I'm an abuse survivor. I've been through hell. This knows uh, on a deeper level a lot of the stuff that I've been through as a child. And so I am incredibly sensitive to to, to victims. Um That that said, yeah, I, I think it's such a complex issue. One of the things that actually really pissed me off about a lot of that stuff that I saw uh, surfacing was people were making jokes about a lot of that stuff during the call out. One thing yeah. I saw that really pissed me off was people like they did a they did a, an event poster featuring nothing but offenders, like it was a joke, and it's like, oh, this is funny to you, the the, the trauma yeah. and the pain that these people feel. You feel like making jokes about it, and making fun of it through making by by ridiculing these people involved is is funny. No, it doesn't help anybody. And if we should be removing these people from the business for the time being, I think that also should include making light of anything that's occurred. Uh, of that nature yeah um, but yeah it I love Joey and I'll always love Joey and um, I have I have I have I have a lot of thoughts on everything that he went through and that and that the people around him went through but I don't think it's a cut and dry black and white issue and I hope I hope the best for him and I hope that he heals and I hope everybody involved heals that's that's really all you can really want for you know it's not uh, it's, it's it's nothing more than that yeah. um, anyway yeah. uh, there's, there's no clean transition back to to match results from that but yeah let's um, I mean the, the the dick flick challenge was the gif was still the hot thing going around um, so it was just basically an angle it's yeah. listed here as a match but it was uh the first thing that we were able to use ethan price price on which was cool right and then uh jeff gant and um we can mention frisco flame frisco flame too yeah we can 
get into some of that. Like he's no. I do think that Frisco Flame should be barred from wrestling. For no, I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> that's a that's a that's a completely different story. <laughs> so, um, man, I should do a, I should do a fireside with Felix. It would be interesting. It would be for sure. punishing. He yes. Yeah. I, I don't want to do it. Okay. Well, yeah, you haven't. I didn't. You, you don't do these. I know. Fuck off. If I was you, I would not want to to do it. He, yeah. He's yeah. He's a bit much. Yeah. But um, you know, he fit in good here. Um. So yeah. It's and then basically, of course, and then of course, we had your boy Jeff Gant in the mix. As my well. boy. Yes. The young, the young Jeffrey. Yes. Um, which shows up in a ton of these bits. We talk a lot of mess about Jeffrey, but Jeffrey always shows up in the little bits. I'm, I, I always, I will forever have a, a grudge against Jeff, but I think we've, even, I've even told you that I have ideas about him or yeah. for him, and I know that you know that I can do something with him, but he's just got to be committed, you know. Anyway, Joey Ryan, Dick Flip, and then, uh, and then what? What this spirals into Joey Ryan versus turning <laughs> Evan, Evan Mystico, who, who has accused. Uh, Joey Ryan of being a ghost because that's the only possible way to explain the power he has in his uh, wang. In his wang, right? Um, this really, Evan is so fucking um, creative when it comes to wrestling moves, you know. And the like, I don't think he gets enough credit, you know. Like it's it's like a weird independent level Nova type innovation as far as like doing wrestling stuff. Um, they con they constantly surprise. Yeah. All those submission squad guys constantly surprise. Yeah, like, and it, it's gotta be those car rides where they, they have nothing to do but talk about and, and think about wrestling stuff. They get into moves in such creative ways. Um, Evan, especially, and Evan is, is extremely funny. Like, I think Evan may be one of the best character workers in, in the fucking United States. Who are the funniest guys in professional wrestling as we know it? I would say Evan. I would, I would Evan's say up there. Thomas Shire is very funny. Yeah. Yeah. But it, now, are you talking about just having a conversation with Yeah, conversations. Oh, my. See, and then Evan's just like a tidal wave of, of stuff. Yeah. Right? So it's not so much like... But Evan's pretty funny and you know what? Too. I think we're gonna have to actually go into this uh, on the next episode. So I think what we're gonna do now is we're gonna we're gonna bid you adieu and we're gonna continue to go down the card uh, on our next edition. But we're gonna think we're gonna sit back and think about who the funniest guys in wrestling are, like backstage. I think I think I think I think it will surprise a lot of people. Anyway, thanks for joining us. <laughs>